and welcome to this next episode um, of Meanwhile in an Abandoned Warehouse with Owen Kelly. Hi there. Hello Owen. Hi, and hi. Sophie Hope. Uh, so th- today we're going to be talking about two events that took place recently. One was the World Transformed um, Festival in Liverpool and the other was a symposium called Social Tools in Helsinki. Um, and both kind of involved the movement for cultural democracy. So we're going to be focusing on on that. I suppose we, we, we could start, Sophie, if you could just explain, just recap your feelings and conclusions about the world transformed, because unfortunately I, w- I wasn't there, so I only know very little about it. Could you explain something about it? Yeah, sure. Um, So the World Transformed happens at the same time as the Labour Party conference um, and it's organised by Momentum and other um, groups and organisations and activists. Um, I'd not been before, this was my first time uh, to it, and it was an amazing event full of all sorts of events and performances, small discussions, um, big panel discussions, um, trying to explore all sorts of issues to do with, uh, well, labour policy from a kind of left perspective and a lot of the people and and delegates there were were delegates at the Labour Party conference so there was this sort of to and fro from the from these venues Um, and my um, reason for going really as well was because I was um, uh, meeting people who were also who were also involved in this movement for cultural democracy and some of the kind of people involved in that had organised a series of workshops as part of the World Transformed. Um, So there was one on funding cultural democracy and organising as precarious workers with Peter Stark and Claire Palliard. There was a workshop on gentrification and art washing with Stephen Pritchard. And there was a a round of table discussion and um, workshop with Rhiannon White and Aya Haidar on class and gender. And then we finished uh, the, um, the sort of this series of, of work, which was amazing. Lots of people were attending, and um, there was we, various people from the from the movement gave um, little mini talks about what they were doing locally and what some of the issues were. And um, yeah, we. Uh, it, I mean, it, to be honest, it felt a bit like mini bubble of like-minded people so it felt it felt very comfortable there was a lot of shared politics in the room Um, but there was also quite a lot of excitement around the potential uh, the potentials of of cultural democracy particularly um, the frustrations around lack of voice and space um, for working class people um, and the infrastructures needed desperately for supportion and the means to do that um so there's a lot of talking perhaps and not much practical organizing as as these things go but it felt yeah felt kind of like a good space to, to start that okay can i can i interrupt and ask you a, a question there because yeah. um you mentioned the notion of of being a bit of a bubble and and it being exciting and i i can remember from community arts movement that exactly those feelings but one of the problems we faced was the actual practicality of getting ideas of cultural democracy accepted across the wider political movement in the United Kingdom. So how do you think the movement for cultural democracy will actually manage the practicality of getting these ideas accepted by trade unionists, by 
non-government organisations, whatever. I mean, I mean, again, I think it, it might not be so much a problem in terms of getting ideas accepted. Um, but then there's the whole issue of like, well, what does it still mean in practice? So um, it felt like because of the strength, uh, what well, felt like a str the strength of the world transformed and momentum that, and that, you know, in the left of the Labour Party, there is a bit of a, a gap and potential uh, platform cultural policy in the room at the Open Forum was, was working on cultural policy for Labour Part for the Labour Party. Um, somebody else was uh, is, is, is who's a, a local politician um, had it worked with Tom Watson, the, the, the shadow culture secretary, um, a lot. So it feels like there are inroads, but um, I think like a lot, yeah. It's it's one is like how do we shape policy, but then how does policy how is that reflected in um, like practical moves and shifts in. Um, uh, in funding structures, in um, you know forms of ways of redistributing spaces and resources and things like that. So, um, to what extent people, you know, the, the, the Labour Party can kind of sign up to these things in practice is um, still a question for me, I suppose. Um, which you know, I think we're still living in a very dominant. Um, the dominant kind of discourse is still around the democratisation of culture rather than cultural democracy I think. Okay, um, so do you think there's any way we can deal with this or do we just have to move forward optimistically and hope that other people are willing to see the importance of what we think is important? Yeah, I, I think people are, um, are going about it in different, in lots of different ways which is probably good um, and I think that um, having, uh, I mean Nick, Nick Mahoney who um, is, has been doing a lot of the groundwork on on this. Um, is talking about how we organise practical things, almost demonstrate what we mean by this, and how it can be done on on sort of local levels, um, as well as trying to find sort of ways, I suppose, into kind of policy making. Um, but in, almost like inviting the the powers that be into those. Um, uh, into those spaces of, of where cultural democracy is happening anyway um, and where power is being kind of reclaimed and things so I yeah I think I think it's probably like multiple levels and scales of this of this there's the sort of discourse itself and how that's that needs shifting and reframing um, there are really small local neighborhood kind of actions um, and solidarities and alliances and allegiances that, that need probably yeah strengthening and supporting and then the yeah how to kind of access political decision making processes I suppose on a regular basis <laughs> right. there's a lot to do and not enough perhaps energy and resources to do it but um, there's there's a will I think from, from a lot for a lot of people right I think um, there are basically two two different approaches to this or are the two ends that we can approach it from uh one is the end that you've been talking about we've been talking about now the trying to get our agenda onto other people's agendas and at the other end mm. is what you were talking about as local actions and that's what i think uh we were trying to do in the social tools symposium in helsinki yeah approaching it so not from from the 
explicitly from the end where we look at how we can get political parties interested so much as how we can change our own modes of organization mm. um, yeah. shall I explain a little about about social tools because you, you and yeah, Nick were, but I, if, could yes, I just we were. yeah yeah explain that except the scene and yeah who's all who who are you organizing it with um, and why um, right, it was organised uh, by myself and three other members of Pixelake. Pixelake's a media arts collective uh, in Helsinki. It's uh, it started in the late 1990s as a, literally as a media art collective where people were doing uh, installations and VJing and the like. And it's grown and changed over the last uh, almost 20 years. It now has members focusing on ecological activities, members focusing on uh, decentralized organizing. There's a recycling lab, uh, there's a trash lab. Uh, there are people looking at uh, archiving, social archiving as a, as a cultural practice. And over the last two and a half years, Pixlake has tried to uh, change its own method of organizing. We used to have full-time workers and we had all the problems that small cultural groups have that the workers ended up dictating the policy because they were the only people who were actively networking on behalf of the organization so we decided on a to pursue a more decentralized form of organization and that meant finding out what that meant initially we thought oh we'll just decentralize and of course that doesn't work decentralizing is fraught with problems and so we spent 18 months doing, th doing various researches, some of which were highly successful. We have a kind of virtual currency which pays uh, Pixelate members to do administrative tasks and the boring tasks like keeping the office tidy, etc. And the virtual currency is transferred into some, something more real at the end of each year. Mm. Um, out of this, we decided that we would, we would bring together our own experiences and hold a symposium and a set of workshops with a view to using that as a means to get outside help in, outside experts, outside practitioners. So we had Natty Lombardo and Rich Bartlett, who are two of the inventors of Lumio, which is an app designed to enable democratic and decentralized decision making. And they also founded Enspiral, which is a, an organization that looks at how decentralized decision-making might be put into practice. We had you and Nick to talk about cultural democracy. And we had uh, Sven Latzel, who was running a workshop on Sociocracy 3, which is an open-sourced form of decentralized organizing that has an interesting set of patterns and rules and met methodologies. So that's what we did over the over three days. And in my experience, or well, in my experience, it brought together more people than we would have expected to bring together. We had almost 200 people over the three days. And I came away feeling both optimistic and happy. Hmm. What, what, were you, what were your feelings about it? Because this, this was the first time you'd been to Finland. And so <coughs> uh, the, the, the world. I know there were lots of kind of minor cultural differences and there were lots of interesting points that you thought. How did you feel about it? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, really grateful for one for being to be invited. Um, and I hadn't come across so many, what was useful was hearing so many sort of case studies and people's experiences of attempting to do these, uh, this sort of decentralization process, painful process as it may be. Um, and uh, I kind of, yeah, I guess I sort of feel like I, I think I said at the time, sort of wished I'd had the chance and to, to go with some of these, um, some of these tools, like the practicalities of how, um, how to use these tools. But, um, but it was great to hear um, from the presentations, um, some of the examples also lo locally of how, of how organisations are doing that. Um, I think one of the things that struck me was the that it seemed like there was there were a lot of it seemed maybe not just because obviously it was a critical mass of people doing this at the event but there are a lot of people interested in this and organizations who are attempting to become at least a little bit more decentralized than they are at, at the moment um and that there are kind of there's a growing industry of helping other organizations to become more decentralized um and I think something that I want, I always want to hear more about how, like you were saying just now, like, you know, some of the kind of the, the, com, um, the kind of difficulties that that, that process might entail, um, which some, some of the speak is, um, which was, I found sort of the most, I guess, interesting. And also how, um, in this process, how do we kind of retain and, and embrace those conflicts somehow and politicised process and a politicising um, action um, and not sort of smoothing out those those differences and difficulties. Um, we obviously had, we, what we did was a whole day to talk about cultural democracy and um, with, with a small group of us, wasn't it? I think it was, was it about sort of 10, 15 of no, us around the table? 18. Max, it was 18. probably less than that. Oh, was it 18? Mm. Mm. Um, and, but it felt like a really good sized group to get to know each other a bit more. And people around the table were um, mostly Zinky, but they had um, come from Estonia, um, South America, Scotland, um, Switzerland and um, the UK and so it was quite nice to hear different people's um, uh, experiences not necessarily of this thing called cultural democracy because I don't think that was necessarily a shared term but uh, I think what was shared was some of the politics of um, around social justice and direct democracy and sort of uh, yes yeah, I guess sort of sharing these sort of crises in, in, in democracy from different perspectives. Um, so yeah, I think then and then then just learned a lot about the a lot some you know something I felt like I learned new things about about the context political context of Finland and whereas perhaps in like coming coming from the the World Transform Festival where there's a sort of sense of urgency and like a renewed excitement and um, uh, energy around we can change the world sort of <laughs> stuff it felt like there was a sense in Finland that perhaps there's not a kind of as much of a sense of sense of urgency or organized um, uh, opposition and kind of um, uh, st political struggle um, 
in, at this, it, perhaps at the moment in Finland. And somebody around the table was talking about perhaps that being connected to the sort of historical migration of, of many working class people from Finland to Sweden in the past, which may have, may have a knock on effect in terms of where the, where the struggle lies. Um, I, th I think also that there's a question of um, a very central question in, in the discussion is to do with the different political systems. Because as I yes. think a number of people pointed out around the table, Finland's just over a hundred years old. And in all of that time, there has never been one single government that hasn't been a coalition. So there has never been single party rule in Finland. And so the sense in which you talk about opposition, you just talked about opposition a second ago, mm. works because there are two and a half parties traditionally <laughs> in British politics and very little sense of coalition and somebody from Finland was pointing out that the news here was when there was when Cameron and Clegg formed a coalition government it was shock horror and how can we deal with this in Britain whereas here all parties go into elections with a wish list but they don't go into elections with a set or any political program with a, a set of demands they may have the equivalent of Theresa May's current red lines we will not form a coalition with any government that refuses to do x or insists on doing y mm. but they but there is not in the in the British sense an opposition and a binary set of it's either us or them mm -mm. and there's also a much greater history in Finland of the media relating to political parties more recently this is not necessarily the case but it used to be the metal workers union until the 80s the metal workers union had a newspaper that was read by metal workers and other unionists so there was there was much more of a, a set of alignment around the media and much less of a sense of us and them that manifested in alignments to a British sense of left wing or right wing or an American sense of Democrat and Republic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge those differences, isn't it? Because that says a lot then about what kind of actions and movements but, will but I also take think, place. Yes, I also think it means that uh, that difference, to me at least, is suggestive that the uh, campaigns to in Britain to change the first-past-the-post voting system may be, if not a prerequisite, then close to a prerequisite of any kind of campaign to establish ideas like cultural democracy as anything other than fringe enthusiasms. Mm. Because it's yeah. the very fact that there are two blocks and they fight each other that means that new ideas have to be molded to fit either Labour or Tory aspirations. So, for example, one other example, one other example of this is the fact that the Green Party in Finland has moved within 25 years from being the kind of fringe it is in Britain to being one of the main parties which has been in governmental coalitions recently and is treated as a uh, a main party to the extent that in Finland the Green Party has a left wing and a right wing within mm -hmm. Finland 
politics. So they are completely now normalized as a part of the a part of the political environment within Britain in a way that they have simply been prevented from being by the two party block in Britain. Yeah, yeah. Um Owen, are you one of the things that came up um alongside these kind of major political kind of uh, structural differences was a very Finnish specific uh cultural activity which was an eye opener to me um called Talkut. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. Um but it was it we spent quite a lot of time talking about it, didn't we? Um and that sort of falls outside of um official um you know party politics. Can you for the benefit of the audience explain what in your opinion what that means Talkut? Right, a talcot. Yes, I remember you being horrified by it, by it when you first. Not horrified. Well, yes, because no, you thought it sounded yeah. very exploitative. Um, <laughs> it translates approximately as communal work, and uh, it's when people get together to accomplish some task, which can only be done uh, in a group, and it's built in traditionally to the fabric of Finnish society so that in rural areas it still happens that farmers will call a talcot when they want to do the harvesting and what it essentially means is that uh farms don't have all the equipment and person power they would need to do things like harvesting so they gather in all the neighbors and they all gather bale the hay and and gather, bring gather it in etc and then at the end of the day the hosts host a a meal traditionally a, a stew and lots of beer and what actually happens is in most cases the old people so the farmers parents who are too old to go out and do the hay baling will spend the day preparing stew or soup or or casserole and beer so it becomes something that you join in and it's mutual because because basically i've i've exploited you this week in the certain knowledge that you want to exploit me in a few weeks time so in that sense it's not exploitative although it sounds as though i've set up a business which i can't afford and i'm dragging in my friends to help at the tough times but in fact it's built into the system and it's a kind of mutual communal aid which Finns take for granted and it doesn't necessarily transfer immediately to urban living although people still use it mm. people still say i am going to i've moved house and i'm going to repaint the entire house who wants to come and help me repaint the entire house for a weekend you can stay somewhere and i'll feed you stew and beer or weekend and people come and it it doesn't sound odd because oh it's a talcot I'll go and of mm. course there's also an element where it's not entirely voluntary because yeah. it's built into the social system and even though it has no official status and so obviously if if you live in a little village and you say no 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 I'm not coming you can expect less help when you ask for help and you can mm. expect less uh less delight at your presence next time you go to a social event so it becomes it's also like most or many communal activities it also has a regulatory function it's yeah. a way of identifying as part of the community and transgressing that process is a way of marking yourself as not part of that community 
But it's in interestingly, it has existed and it continues to exist even as Finland urbanizes. And as somebody around the table said, no government in Finland of any political complexion would dare to try and enact legislation that made talcots impossible or that started to tax them or any other move in that direction because they are a traditional, well-loved part of Finnish culture. Yeah, it's still find it hard to fathom but um but a fascinating concept especially we talked about it in relation to um practices of of cultural democracy and i guess that sort of mutual um uh aspects of the commons and of of, of sharing economies and skills exchanges and and those sorts of examples didn't we um yes. but also potentially the sort of something else that came up was around the exclusionary potential of it if you don't know the codes of the Talcoot if you're, you know, newly um, new immigrant to to Finland, and you might, you know, you might not be indoctrinated yet into the Talcoot <laughs> ways. Um, how, and you don't necessarily have the um, uh, the the, comf the confidence or capacity to, to reciprocate these these exchanges. I don't know. Might be yeah, but just raised it raised a lot of questions. <clears throat> um, yes, I think there are issues around that because one of the ways talcots are used in Helsinki where people live in apartments quite often in the autumn people will clear up the, the grounds and people will paint in the spring people might paint fences or clean out the, the mm. children's playground and that might be a talcot and people somebody will come out and they'll, they'll bring their barbecue and there'll be barbecues and beer and it might well be the case that uh, Certainly when I first moved to Finland, I didn't necessarily realize the implications of this. I interpreted it, as I'm sure you would and many people, most people would, as, oh look, some people are getting, having a barbecue outside and sweeping up. <laughs> I didn't actually realize, <laughs> whoa, this you is, should be there. <laughs> yeah, this is not quite as voluntary as you might think it is, young man. <laughs> well, you're outcast forevermore. Um, yeah. Uh, Owen, with the, I'm just thinking about the time and whether we should um, conclude our episode. I, th I think we should. I think we should. And I think uh, the last thing I think we should probably talk about is uh, how we might continue this forward. And I think um, we were talking about that offline, as it were. And I think we, the website we're building around the podcasts, which is itself a work in progress, we're looking at it maybe including uh, forums and a home for a, a kind of book club or a club for book readings. And I think one of the things we need to do is see how we can expand this and also make sure that the way we expand it is an example of what we're talking about, that we keep yeah. it open in terms of who can speak and who can listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And who can get feel like they can get involved if, if they would like. But at the same time, just to add one final thing, I think Sorry. we have to be very clear that this is not in any way, shape or form official. And that if you think we're talking nonsense or talking sense badly, then probably the best response is to start a podcast, not, <laughs> not to write letters of complaint, because this has no status except insofar as people, whoever they are, are interested in it. Mm. Shall we stop there? Yeah, that was good. Thank you, Owen. Um, right, thank so you. So we'll continue in in a couple of weeks. Yes, same time. Right. In a fortnight. See you in the warehouse somewhere. You will. Bye. Bye. <laughs>